The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about overcoming revenge and overcoming the pain of being betrayed by a friend. And I think all of us go through times in our lives when we feel betrayed by someone, when we are unforgiving and we have to find a way to forgive because when we forgive, we're free. We're free to go on and we're free to transform our lives. And that's who we're going to be talking to today is a young man who actually did this. And he is the author of a new book called Falling Out. Let me tell you a little bit about Kenyon Oster. He is Kenyon Oban Oster, and he had to rebuild his life really from scratch when he was just beginning his adult life. After trying to stop his friend's life from being from you know for, after trying to stop his friend from killing herself basically um, from falling off of a balcony of a gay bar in New Orleans, he sustained a massive traumatic brain injury, which put him into a coma for a week. And then when he awoke, he was pulled out of the closet. He was gay, and he was pulled out of the closet that he'd been living in. And his friend, the one whose life he had saved when she landed on top of him on Bourbon Street, ended up suing him. And she was a lesbian that came out of her closet, and not by her desire. To make matters worse, he didn't know how to forgive his friend for doing this to him. And whenever we're unforgiving, it really hurts us. It's like, like they say that, uh, being unforgiving is like trying to give a poison to someone else that kills you. It, it really, you take your own poison. So we also found that almost 2 million Americans suffer from traumatic brain injury each year. And the doctors never expect, expected him to recover or to live even a normal life. So he went through some very deep challenges that he's going to talk about, and he really couldn't put it all together, but he finally was able to do it. And so we'll find out about the book that he wrote and how he transformed his life and how forgiveness really was his salvation. So uh, thank you so much, Kenyon, for joining us from the East Coast. Hi, how are you, Mari? I'm good. I'm so glad that, that you were able to write this book and it was a catharsis for you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you did write this book? 
Oh, absolutely. I just think because for me and my family, um, my family was so overwhelmed with what happened to me. And when the doctors were telling them, oh, well, we don't think he's going to ever have a normal life, it just really overwhelmed them. And I really did it because there are 2 million Americans every year who suffer traumatic brain injuries. And I figured someone might, it might help someone. Yes. So why don't you tell us the story of, let's go back to New Orleans, let's go to Bourbon Street, and let's kind of tell the story of what happened to you. Oh, well, um, I was on a balcony at a gay bar on Bourbon Street when my friend lost her balance, and me, being a chivalrous good Samaritan, I reached out to stop her. But what happened is we fell over the railing together, and although I didn't stop her from falling, I did save her life when she landed on top of me and left me comatose. Yeah, and she was tiny, so that was really fortunate, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Oh my God! Oh, she was like you know, hundred. You know, she was like eighty-five pounds soaking wet. I mean, yeah, yeah. And so what? Yeah. yeah. So what kind of happened? What happened to her? And what happened to you? And let's talk about why you think that she sued you as well. Um. Well, I think um, well, she hurt her elbow, and she hurt, she shattered her elbow, and she hurt her knee, and I suffered a massive brain injury, and um, and part of the reason they never expected me to recover is because of the damage that I sustained, which really. Um, the prognosis was, well, for the rest of your life, you're going to feel like you're going to lose your mind at any given moment. Oh, dear. But, yeah, I know. Well, I mean, who doesn't feel like they're going to go crazy every once in a while? <laughs> but, I mean, honestly. But the thing is to live with that every day and every moment, no one could articulate that to me. And at a time when I was a zombie, I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know how to articulate anything. It took me weeks to be able to say, oh, I, I need help, you know? Right. So... It was really, um, it was a, it was, it was a big challenge for me, to, you know. And then they actually waited four years before they even told me that I was going to lose my mind at at any given moment for the rest of my life. So it was a long process, and um, so I basically, I it's it's basically post traumatic stress disorder, yes. Um, which you know, which you know, seven million uh, Americans suffer with that every year. And but I call it I, I call it that, but it's really post traumatic crazy disorder because yes. it's like it's an elongated panic attack that I go through. But I just I have to walk through it, and I say something wonderful is going to happen to me. Yes, and you know I really I was married to a doctor for eighteen years, and I know that doctors are just human beings; they're not God. And so I really don't like it when someone says to me when a doctor says to me, you know that. Your fam- this person's not going to live for more than six months, or this person's going to go crazy, or this person that. I just don't buy into it. You know, right. if, if they if they give you a diagnosis and they try and give you medicine, but I just don't believe it because right. in my own mind, I have seen people with miraculous things. Even my my dog Absolutely. that they told me, you know, he's had cancer three times. They told me the first time he'd live six months. It's right. almost four years later. I just don't buy into it, and I yeah, don't. I don't know. If I if I believed them, I'd be in an institution, and that's and my family actually because I kept falling down and getting back up and falling down. Um, parents were like, well, maybe you should commit yourself. So if I listened to them, I would have committed to my, committed myself. But I always believe that if I found my voice, I would be able to make sense of all of this madness and forgive my friends. Yes. And, you know, we always talk on this show about that everything in life really does happen for a reason. 
and that the school of life is really school and you know that there are lessons to be learned and so if you look back on this what happened to you but for the fact that this happened to you you wouldn't be who you are today you wouldn't have written your book right absolutely oh no i would not understand what honoring my goodness really is, because that's what forgiveness is. I mean, forgiveness is the cornerstone for letting go of negativity. But I think when you honor your goodness, you honor someone else's goodness, too. It's very reciprocal. You know, I I honor my goodness. I honor your goodness by doing good to you. It comes back to me 10 times, 100 times. It's just one of it's one of those things that we have to understand and embrace because we're love. I mean, when I crossed over and I transplanted this plane, I really luxuriated in this amazing bliss and and really felt the love that 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 we were that, that 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 created us. Because we are love. Everything about us is love. And when we stray from that, we're, you know, we're not doing it right. No. So, Kenyon, tell us about that. I read in your book that you basically had a near-death experience, right? That you yes. did. You um, actually went to a place. I don't know. Did you, did you actually die and then come back? Or were you just, like, at the brink of it? I, I, well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, what I know is I felt darkness. And, and light, but I, I really honestly felt this amazing silence that filled me with this incredible knowledge and this incredible wisdom and this incredible this incredible sense of peace. And um and 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 that's why I say, you know, we are love. That's that's everything about us is love. And um I mean you know, everyone has an agenda, and every you know, you're you're a lawyer, you're dealing with the mediation, so you have this side who wants this, and this side who wants the other, and you know, where's the middle ground? With you know, with that, um, when you know, this person, this person wants the other person to be accountable, and this person wants the other person to be accountable, and you know, who's responsible in all of the like honoring your goodness? Yes. So it's it's a, it's a dilemma. Yes. And when you, you know, I've had, I've had relatives who've had near-death experiences and I've read a lot about it. And it is, um, from what you say, you know, it is that place that you go that you realize what's really important, that what's really important is the connections, the love, the, the, the true understanding, the truth underneath, uh, underneath all these material lessons that we're going through. Right? Isn't it just right. like that? You know, life is like okay. This is this is school, but really and truly, what going home is different than being at school, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, why do you think your friend sued you? You know, I I read that, and I had some. You know, from reading your book, I had some sense of what I thought that she was doing, and well, what was your what was your thought at the time that why she sued you? I I honestly think that she thought I was going to sue her. Hmm. So she so she just did it first. Really? Um, yeah. And and I never did. And then I mean I countersued her, but um but yeah, but I really honestly and I feel like, you know, she was scared and uh she didn't know what was going on and um I, I mean I honestly don't know what her what her motivation was. But she, um, New Orleans is a very small town, and so she knew I didn't remember. I told her I didn't remember what happened, and I think, um, 
I honestly don't think she understood how how screwed up I was actually, um, or how you know, or how injured you were. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, and I think, um, and and that's not her fault because we were both, you know, you know, she was eighteen, I was nineteen. We were really young. We were beginning our adult lives when this all happened. So um, you know, I I, I don't. I, I want to think. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, by honoring my goodness and wishing her happiness because every day has been a struggle for me that I've fought to um, find my goodness and find my center and become more present with myself. Um, and I don't think, she, I, I'd like to think that no one would, would intentionally um, would intentionally kick someone while they're that down, you know? Yeah. So, I think it's a matter of a lot of times this is fear. She might have been in fear because from oh, what I read absolutely. of your book that she thought she was more injured than you were. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like her, you know, I mean, it was at a time when like her parents kicked her out. Yes. You know, and, um, and I they think kicked her out of her house. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you think that she was angry at you that she, that, that she came out as a lesbian to her parents because of what happened, do you think that was one of the things that she was angry at you that this this hidden, you know, secret that she had had come out because of this? Well, I think. Um, I, well, I think she just got she. Well, she got caught previously at um, at a protest for like the lesbian Avengers, and she was on the news. And that's I think the first time her parents like realized she was a lesbian. Um, and then this accident happened and, um, and her parents were like, oh no, we're done with this. We can't, you know, we, we can't, we don't accept this. So yeah. absolutely. So she was absolutely scared. Um, scared. She was kicked out. She was angry at the world. And then it was just, sometimes people take out their anger in lawsuits and absolutely. it's a very expensive, very painful, very stressful way to take out your anger. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It's very time consuming. And then, but I mean, and then everything that, everything that could have gone wrong with the lawsuit went wrong with the lawsuit. Uh, I, you know, um, I caught my attorney lying to me. Not that that's a huge surprise, but Uh, watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, but I mean, but the thing is, it's like when I tried to fire him, he didn't want to be fired and he refused to give my files over to my new attorney. So then I had to deal with, you know, two attorneys instead of one. And it was just, you know, one thing, it was his laziness, his, you know, and he didn't want to go to trial because I'm white and gay. And allegedly the, the black attorney, the black, uh, the black judge that didn't like white people. And the, 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 uh, the jury allegedly didn't like white people. And so there were like all of these things working against me. Um, but it's, I mean, that's, that's racism in America that, you know, we didn't necessarily create, the generation before us created, and, and we're, or the generations before us created, and we're sort of dealing with that now, so. And, and that's really quite sad to think that people are so judgmental at all levels, whether it's, you know, whether it's your previous friend and her family that were prejudiced against her for being a lesbian, or or the judge being against a white person or, you know, I mean, that's, or the jury, you know, it's, it really is time for some transformation. So let's talk about the forgiveness though. I mean, you had a lot of people to forgive. You had to forgive your attorney because you didn't want to carry that with you. You right. had to forgive the girl who, whose life you saved. Um, that's right. You had to forgive 
the judge and you had to forgive every and maybe the jury and everyone. So how how did you do that? He, right. I mean, there's sometimes in life, right, Kenyon, that we have a lot of people that we have to forgive and it is freeing, but I, but it's yes. not easy. It's not. I think a sense of humor goes a long way, first of all. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, honoring my goodness, it's like, I don't really, um, I don't, I don't have to see any of these people ever again, fortunately. Um, but I don't have to wish them, I don't have to wish them ill either. And I think, you know, one of the things that I did with a therapist were, were these fantasies of hell where we would like, we would pretend that I was killing my friend who, who was suing me, which I don't think was like a really healthy exercise. No, I don't um, either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you have to forgive your therapist, <laughs> you know, because I think for me, it just, it, it, it just exacerbated my anger and rage for her. And, and I, I mean, not that I would ever do that, but I just think, you know, when you get to a point where you see yourself doing that to someone and harming them it it's harms a bit you. much yeah it's a bit much it's really really not cute so i wish that's the only thing you know i but i mean my emotions were damaged so it was like they tried to do anything to like get me to to discuss my feelings and i was such yeah. a zombie that you know i mean I, whatever you know these things life's a learning experience and yes. um I, I wish we had done i wish we had done finger puppets you know with socks maybe yeah. that would have been better but <laughs> yeah. um or like the emotional wheel you know and i could yeah. have to choose i could have to choose my my emotions from a wheel or something like that i think that would have been much better yeah um, but i i also think that you know you know i i have a degree in psychology as well and i just often think that People need to remember when they're really, really angry, It's it goes back to the hurt that they are. They've been hurt. Absolutely. And so if you go back to that hurt, if you go through all the, if you take that onion and peel all the layers of anger and just talk about, gee, well, I was angry about this and I was angry about this and then I was really hurt about this. It felt so bad. She was my friend. You know, how did I get betrayed like this? Or I right. hired this attorney. How could he let me down? I mean, when you get to that point where you're going beyond the anger to the hurt, that's the place where you can start to heal, don't? wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, because I think for so long I was just that onion, and I just marinated in negativity, because yeah. I, 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 I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to take it apart and qualify it and quantify it, and I just moved forward trying to find my voice. So I could take it apart, so I could understand it, and and I just lived with it. And then finally, you know, one day, like, this happened, and I found my voice, and I'm like, I'm going to honor my goodness. I'm going to embrace all of this goodness that's in my life. That starts with me. Yeah, so Kenyon, by the way, uh, to my audience, we are speaking right now um, with our author, Kenyon Oster, who's the author of Falling Out. And this was um, a, this is a book that he wrote about his experiences. Why don't you tell us about how what actually was that transformation? What was that day? What happened that there was this aha moment or this epiphany that that suddenly happened? Well, I was uh, um, I was homeless because um, every time I, I live with this incredible fear that every time I was going to leave my apartment that I was gonna you know. Um, 
go crazy. Somewhere in my, <laughs> some, no, no, somewhere in my subconscious mind, you know, something terrible was going to happen. And I was, I, you know, and I lived with these, these horrible panic attacks that just went on and on and on forever. And I, um, and so I ended up being homeless and I moved into my office where I was living at, at, at the time. And, for the first time in my adult life, I, I felt free. I wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't open my eyes in the morning and, and I wasn't overwhelmed by this fear that I was going to die on my way to work. Um, and, but then, what was that point that did that? What was that? But then, well, then I had to get another job. So I could save money to move out of the office that I was secretly living in. Uh-huh. And I was working for Graydon Carter, the editor of Vanity Fair magazine, uh, at one of his restaurants. And, um, so there were like all of these stars there every night and it was so, I mean, I would like tell them like, oh yes, we have a, we have a, we have a beautiful fish on the menu and these people would applaud. And I mean, and, and by, yeah, it was really crazy, but then they just loved my energy and there was all of these compliments and, you know, my energy, this, my energy, that. And then one night Deepak Chopper, Dr. Deepak Chopper was there and he said, you're sparkly. And And it. It, it, yeah, it, it struck a chord. Yeah. Did you and ever write him to tell him that, that that was no, a... No, no, I haven't. You I should have send him a copy of your book and tell him that just that, that when you noticed and you said you're sparkly and, and it just like all of a sudden it was like a button got pushed. Yeah. No, and it was. And I mean, and, and you know, I took a minute and I just... I took a breath and I, I I snuck back into the cubicle where I was living after after work that night and I started writing and I forgave myself. I forgave myself for not knowing how to recover from this brain injury that no one told me how to recover from. And I, I forgave my parents for never listening to me and not knowing how to help me and trying to commit me. And I forgave my friend and I forgave uh, my the, the the attorneys and the judge and the, the and I just I'm going to honor my goodness. I'm not going to marinate in this negativity anymore. Yes. And, um, and, 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 and then I started trusting people again, which was always an issue. So, yeah, that's so beautiful because, you know, people will say to me and, you know, because I'm in, I sit in the middle of conflict all the time. That's my profession. And so whether it's a, a divorce or whether it's a partnership disillusion or business to business dispute, whatever it is, people what don't want to forgive because they think that if they forgive, they let the other person off the hook, but they don't realize. Right. Exactly. But then, but really, and truly they're the ones that are on the hook, right? Not the other person because the other person moves on with their lives. They do what they want to do. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like you're tethered. You're tethered to the past. Well, because, and for me, and it's so easy. It's so easy because for me, like every time I left my apartment and I'm having a panic attack, or I have to like run to the bathroom because all of this, this fear's running through me and I have to hide in a, in a, in a, in, in a, in a bathroom stall somewhere. Um, and I'm ashamed. Uh, of course I'm going to hate this, this person who did this to me and I'm going to relive that negativity. But now when that happens, now I'm like, Oh, I wish her happiness and I'm not marinating that negativity. And, and that's, you know, this is a choice that, that I have to make to honor my goodness. And when I honor my goodness, I honor her goodness. And that's not something she can do uh, for her own reasons. Cause she hasn't peeled away that onion yet. And it's um, her journey though. It's her journey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think when you become present with yourself, Mari, you know, when someone's not present with you. Yes. 
Yes. And and that's and that's really what it comes down to is honoring your goodness and that it takes two people to have an honest conversation. But of course so, when you when you forgive and you let it go, you may not want it that doesn't mean you forget, but you forgive. No. Yeah, you, not. And, and it doesn't mean that you're going to not watch your boundaries in the future and it doesn't mean that no. you condone anything, right? It doesn't mean any of that. But, it's learning the lesson. It's learning yes. the lesson. It's saying, you know what, and and it's becoming present with yourself because when you become present with yourself, as I said, you know when someone else is not present with you. Yeah. So so it gets back to really when when you're not when you're present with yourself, you give other people permission to be present with themselves. Absolutely, and 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 not everyone not everyone gets that. Not everyone understands that because oh, I you know they're gonna mess they're gonna mess me over or they're gonna take advantage of me or because they're marinating in their negativity and their distrust and whatever else it is or or they they want to have the advantage or or they're not they're not coming at you in a way that's honest. Um, because it does take two people to have an honest conversation and you do have to be present. And when you are present, you understand when someone isn't present with you. And that's really the bottom line. And then you can make the choice whether you wish to be in that relationship with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or you make the choice to do what I call the gentle confrontation, which is I'm feeling uncomfortable. I feel like I'm being you know, really open with you and I feel like I'm not getting that reciprocal. Am I, am I off base or where are we with this? And and so you can negotiate for that as well, because sometimes you can call someone on it in a very gentle way and they're willing to be open. And then if they're not, then boy, you sure got the answer. This is not the type of person I want to hang out with. They're not present with you. They're they're probably not even present with themselves in a way that works for you because it doesn't validate you. It doesn't honor your goodness. And it's, it's not even honoring their goodness, cause, but they don't see it because they're wrapped up in their negativity. Exactly, exactly. So why, why is it that, um, you know, that, well, I guess, well, let me go back to this. When you talk about honor your goodness, let's see if we understand what you mean by that. Okay. So what do you mean by that? Oh, honoring your goodness. Oh, what what do I mean by that? I mean, something that's not going to harm me, something that's good for me, something that's not going to, like, make me feel guilty or bad or, you know, like, you know, if, like, I sell some, you know, I'm taking advantage, taking advantage of someone, that's not honoring my goodness. Lying okay. to someone, that's not honoring my goodness. Okay, so, so if I hear you correctly, you're talking about watching boundaries, being truthful, being honest, being in your center, out of your ego, into your true true self, your kind of absolutely, your higher absolutely. self. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Cause, absolutely. Because when I think about honoring yourself, I think about honoring your, your highest self, the self that you would, you know, your ideal self of what you would like to sure. be. Right. Well, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes, you know, we can just be like, you know what, this, this relationship, this conversation isn't working. Let's, let's come at it again when we're both in better heads. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's being honest in a way that's honoring your goodness at that moment. Um, maybe not your highest self, but, um, but your honest self. Yeah. And sometimes we have to, 
you know, I mean, we can have an ideal, and the more that you have an ideal, the more you'll get close to it. I mean, I think that if we were all really our perfect highest self, we wouldn't have to be in this body right now, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, don't get all Shirley MacLaine on us, all right? <laughs> no, but truthfully, I mean, if we really were there, we we would be on the other side, like where you were when you sure. had that your near-death experience. Exactly. I mean, you exactly. had to come back so that you could could learn these lessons. So in uh-huh. your book, yeah, so let me just ask you uh, to give your um, your website now and the name of your book, because we're just about out of time. Okay, it's um, www.fallingout.net, um, and it's uh, Falling Out, a memoir, Saving a Life Should Be More Fun, and you can, uh, your your listeners can get it at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, or they can find it at the website, fallingout.net. And so one last thing, what would you like to leave my audience with if you had one little piece of advice for them when they go through a feeling of betrayal? What's one really, something that would they wouldn't have to go as long as you did? What's one good piece of advice? Honor your goodness. If you honor your goodness and you just, you just find your center with the negativity and realize that if you marinate in it, if you marinate in that negativity, you're going to harm yourself. But when you honor your goodness, you're out of it. And you put up your golden shields and you're okay, right? That's right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Ciao, ciao, Bella. Bye. Thanks. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and... Join us at our website at conflicthealing.com where you can download podcasts, you can listen to archived interviews, and you can write us about what's important to you about getting truthful with yourself and transforming conflict in your life so you can have a peaceful world that works for you and everybody else. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. It's about trust. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.